Amen. Amen. You can be seated, church. So, um, part six of our series, we, we wrap up this morning. And uh, as I mentioned, I really do believe this morning is the most important part because if we get this part wrong, um, the, everything we talked about the last five weeks um, ultimately doesn't matter. We won't ever do. And as a church, we fail at the critical core of, of who we are with the mission that God has given to us. And so, um, you know, the lost was the name that Jesus gave to those who don't know him. That's what he said in Luke 19. He said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And then he left and he passed on the family business to his followers. And this is what we've talked about the last six weeks. The heart of the father in Luke 15, he told three parables about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And that's the heart of God, people, people that don't know him. And then we talked about our identity and then so many names that are in scripture that we're called ambassadors, we're called messengers, we're called sent ones, we're called priests, we're called salt, we're called light. All of these different names that we are to be to the community, to the culture, to those who are the lost. And so um, I feel like this is the right way to work the series or to end the series, um, the, the challenge that I have, and I knew I wanted to end the series this way, and I was praying that I'd have um, more uh, definitiveness on what we should do um, and what you should do, but I, I, I don't this morning. And there's a danger in a preacher coming up and preaching something that he doesn't have complete, quite clarity and definitiveness on. Um, it's not like I'm going to try to find it in the next 30 minutes as we go. I'm not going to pull a Michael Scott and just kind of see where we end up. But, but I, my, my prayer at the end is that God will show you what this means for you. Um, and... And, and I want to talk about a heart issue this morning and the attention that I think that we all feel this division, not just this division that's taking place in our world, but, but even inside the church. And it really comes down to this key question. And I believe this is the key question. And, and this is what I want to wrestle with and unpack with you today. I got three parts of, of trying to answer this question and the question is this, what should be our approach and, and the way that we engage with the culture and the country that we live in, right? What should be our, our, our feelings, our sentiment, our, our, our approach, and our, our way that we engage with the culture? Because all of you sit here with thoughts, feelings, beliefs, emotions, uh, actions, non-actions about everything that's right or wrong with our culture and our country right now. And what I'm going to challenge you to do, and, and this is what, what I believe God is calling us to do, is to sift that through Scripture, to sift that through the Bible, and make sure that it's not just your opinion that's driving your life Especially when it comes to how we as a church or how you as a Christian engage with the lost. And, and so uh, we're going to look at a lot of scripture today. And, um, 
And I feel this tension. I see it. I don't know if you do. or you. I, I think after I get done explaining, hopefully you'll, you'll see the tension. If you're engaged in the mission at all, you feel the tension. And, and we'll, we'll talk about it in just a minute. I will tell you that the last two and a half years um, of, of ministry has been the, the hardest years of ministry in my 27 years of doing this as a, as a full-time minister. And, and seeing not, not because necessarily even what's happening out there, but because of what's happening in here with the family, with the family of God. And so this morning, this is a family talk. That's why I'm sitting. I'm not standing behind a pulpit and pounding it, right? I want to have a conversation with you. Granted, it's a one-way conversation. I talk, you listen. But um, this, is, this is the heart of, of your pastor saying, I, I want you to um, hear my heart. I want you to uh, wrestle with this question. How are you engaging with the culture and our, our nation what is the approach that the church should take? And, and let me give you just a couple caveats before we begin, all right? So that when I get into this in 15 minutes and I'm ruffling your feathers a little bit, um, and there's a good chance that's going to I think, actually, I'm going to probably ruffle everybody's feathers this morning a little bit. Um, and this is the danger in this, is that I think I'm going to offend both sides. And, and so I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender this morning. So let me give you a couple caveats, at least, so I'll make sure that you're being offended at the right thing and not something you think I said. A couple caveats. Number one is this, is that I believe, and we here at Next believe, that the Bible is the authoritative, never-changing, inerrant inspired word of God. And so that is everything that we stand on comes from scripture. It is the guiding force, the guiding truth of our life. And we humbly and joyfully submit to it as God's very living words to you and to me and who he is, who we are, and how we should live. And so it all starts with the Bible. That's why we did that seven-part series back in the spring, making sure that we understand what the Bible is and where it came from, and it is God's very words to us. And so everything that we're going to do, believe, and base our lives on comes from Scripture. And it's not changing. God is not evolving. Scripture is not evolving. Scripture is not learning. God's not learning and growing as the culture changes. God adapts and his flexes. And like, it, it is the standard of truth. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so um, it, it, Scripture does not change. And it speaks to us on things that we need to know in life. It speaks to us about our issues in life. It speaks to us about origins. It speaks to us about creation. It speaks to us about gender. It speaks to us about marriage. It tells us the truth about biology and, and about relationships and about right and wrong in the sanctity of life. And it speaks to us about all of these things. And so um, that is the basis for the starting point for everything. Okay, that's, that's number one. Number two, I, I just want to put out there as well that I, I don't feel uh, pressure from the so-called um, woke mob or the woke mentality to, to be woke this morning. I don't think I'm being woke this morning in the things that we're going to talk about. Um, I, th- I think what I'm going to share with you is, is biblical. And, and so, and that's why I'm inviting you to make sure that you sift your life through scripture and make sure that it is biblical as well. Okay. Um, my heart is for you. One day I will stand before the Lord and give an account for how I shepherded the flock and, and how I shepherded you and taught you God's word. 
You know, one of the, the verses in Scripture God stamped on my life years ago, 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, do your best to present yourself as a workman, one approved by God, who correctly handles the word of truth. And so that's been really my ministry life verse for, for the last two decades, to be a workman approved who correctly handles the word of truth. And I want that for you this morning. So having said all that, let's get into um, the three parts I want to share with you. Here's part one, is I want to just briefly explain the tension that you probably feel, I hope that you feel, as you seek to engage with the lost of this world that I know is there. And, and, and I'll sketch it out on the board here a little bit, okay, so that we can process this together. I've shared this with you. Um, over the years, this probably for if you've been here for years, this won't be the first time you've seen this this diagram. But a reminder is good, okay. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually jump ahead. Can you throw up Colossians chapter one uh, for me, verse thirteen? Here's what it says. Colossians one thirteen says, "He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us." into the kingdom of the son he loves. And so pictorially, okay, what, what this verse is saying is, is you and I are born, okay, and we live, we're going to call it the DOD, that's the domain of darkness, okay, and we are born into this world, okay, it is, it is the earth that you and I live on, it's the, it's the world that you and I live in. And, and, and so let's let this line represent kind of our life that goes on. And everything changes in this world the day that you meet Jesus Christ, the day that God invades your life, the supernatural meets the natural, Jesus Christ comes into your life and changes your life. And you now, according to this verse, are transformed Jesus uses another word when he talks about it. He says you're born like again. You're born into a new kingdom. And so you are now transferred into another kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. And in this kingdom, Jesus is king. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's not one that you see. It's not a physical kingdom. One day it will be. There, we always think of the kingdom of God in the future of heaven. We're going to be there one day. But is, let me ask you a question. Is Jesus king now? Is he reigning now? Does the kingdom of God exist now? It, it does. It, it, it exists in a spiritual sense. And right now, we here as the church are representing the king in this earthly kingdom. And so you and I live right now in this space. Where we, and this is what we talked about in week one, that we are citizens of this kingdom, but we live in this kingdom. We represent the king of this kingdom. Jesus is the king. He sits on his throne. That's a throne. Jesus is king. He sits on his throne. And we represent the king in this kingdom. The name that scripture and in politics is given to that person is a what? Is an ambassador, right? That person who, who lives in this world, but is really from another country, right? Represent, and so that's what we are. That's where we belong. And, and each kingdom has its own principles, right? The principles of this world are, right, you got to get ahead. You got to be first. You punch me. I'm punching you back harder. I'm going to take revenge, right? And, and so the, the, there's guiding principles of this kingdom, 
And Jesus comes along and flips this thing upside down and says, all right, somebody hits you on the cheek, do what? Turn the other cheek, the complete opposite of this. If you want to be first, you actually got to be last, right? Like crazy things. He says, I tell you, pray for your enemies. What? Like, and so the kingdom principles here are completely opposite of the kingdom principles here in many regards. And so you and I live literally as aliens in this world that is full of people that are all living by these principles. And then you and I come in as aliens and strangers. This is the language of 1 Peter. Look what it says in 1 Peter. 1 Peter says this. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers, and he uses the word exiles. The, word, the Greek word there for strangers is literally the word aliens. Some translate it as aliens. I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires that wage war against your soul as you're living in this kingdom, right? But the Bible calls you and I strangers and aliens. And so there's a tension that we face knowing that, and, and, and so let me back up a second before I get into the tension. Um, life in this world, for a lot of us, has gotten um, uncomfortable. It, it used to be more comfortable, right? When, when it kind of fit with how we were living our lives, kind of, kind of living according to the principles of this world, but we kind of like living in this. I mean, we're talking about living in America now, which is the greatest country in the world. I can say this, we've been around the world, traveled around different nations, and we are blessed to live in the country that we, we live in. And so, um, that, that should have been another caveat that I'm going to say, because I'm going to say some things about th- this, that first and foremost, I, I love our nation. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm proud American. I'm thankful for the men and women who have served and given their lives, like uh, very much thankful for where we live. To be honest with you, we live in Disney World. We do. We live in there. If, if, if you've been out of the country in other third world countries, and then you come back home, you're, you know what I'm, you, we live if, if, you, if you lifted up your faucet and you got fresh water coming out this morning that you can drink, you live in Disney World. If you just move it to one side and it instantly changes temperature, you live in Disney World. If you flip a switch and instantly lights come on and you have power in your house, we live in Disney World. If, if you go over and you push a button and you can make it be the exact temperature you want, we live in... That's why I like to get out of the country every couple of years on a missions trip and go and see how most of the world live and be reminded of how comfortable and how blessed we are as people here. No matter what socioeconomic bracket you fall in, we're blessed and we live in Disney World. And, and as strangers and aliens and exiles, sometimes it can get comfortable living in Disney World here. And we like it. We like the life that we've built here in this kingdom. Sometimes we get so used to living according to the things in this kingdom, we start to feel like this is our real home. And now things are changing in our homeland. And it's a lot of these people that are changing the things in our homeland that we don't like. And they don't 
they don't match up with some of the things that, like over here. Like we've kind of lost our Judeo ethic uh, Christian kind of morality that we've, you know, this nation was founded on and we used to have and all of that. And things are changing here. And so here is the tension that we face as the church is we're supposed to be living representatives of a better king and a better kingdom. And yet we kind of have fallen in love with this kingdom and we want to make a comfortable life here in this kingdom. We're supposed to be on mission to these people, but right now these people are changing Disneyland and the rules of Disneyland, and so now it feels like these guys are the bad guys. These guys are the enemies, and so there's all this now fighting that's taking place with the very people that we're called to love and seek and share the good news of Jesus with, and so here's the tension. How this is my, remember I told you the key question, how do we as the church engage with the culture and the country in which we live in? What should be our approach? What should be the way that we engage? This is the tension that currently exists. I feel it. I hope you feel it. I hope you're wrestling with it. Some of maybe are just giving in and saying, these guys are bad, we're right, they're wrong, and we need to, right? But if you're wrestling at all with having God's heart for people, you recognize that they are not the enemy. They are the very ground that's being fought over. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, we looked at this, that the God of this age, by the way, there's a throne that's over this whole territory, and it's Satan that sits on this throne. Okay, this, that's, that, there's Satan that sits on this throne. He's called the God of this age. And he is temporarily in charge of this kingdom. And 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, he has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. They, they cannot see the glory of the gospel. And so not only are they lost, they're blind. And so how should we treat lost and blind people? This is the tension. Now, here's part two of... of of, of the talk. Um, part two is this, the two sides that I think exist in the church on how we should engage in this culture and in this country. There's two sides. And I use the word sides. I'm going to stereotype or characterize just a little bit here. Um, uh, I use the word sides for lack of a better word to just kind of say there might not, there might be more middle ground. Hopefully my goal is to create more of a middle ground, but within the church, there's tends to be these, these two sides. And let me characterize the two sides a little bit. Okay. And here's the, here's, and I know there's tension because I wrestle with this. I find myself on both of these sides, right? Here's the first side. The first side is this. We need to be the ones to fight for truth and to stop wickedness, right? Like that's, that's one side. Like we're the ones that know the truth. We're the ones that are called to be light into the darkness. And when the people are afraid to turn on their lights, darkness prevails. And what we're seeing is wickedness vamping up is because the church has been too silent, too passive, too just asleep at the wheel, enjoying Disneyland for too long. And now here to like, and so we've got to, We've got to stop the wrong that's happening. We've got to fight for truth, and we've got to speak up, and that kind of mentality, right? Um, 1 Timothy 3 supports this idea, where Paul tells Timothy, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. Like, I want to get and be with you, Timothy, but... 
I might not get there, so I'm going to write you a note how the household of God should behave, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth, right? So God has left the church here to be the very pillar and the very foundation, the very buttress of truth to be in the community. And when we abandon that role, we abandon that post, you get what we got now going, our culture just going sideways. And so we've got we've to stand up and we've got to fight against evil, right? We've got to stop um, wickedness from prevailing. Um, we've got to speak out at what's going on in our schools and what is happening. And, and if you're a teacher in here, please don't, you know, I've had teachers come on to me, don't lump me in with all the stuff that's going on. I'm not lumping you in. Again, I said I'm generalizing a little bit, but you, you have to admit there has been a move in the most recent years to kind of just, there is a agenda with what is happening in our schools and indoctrinating our kids in so many ways that are just contrary to the scriptures. And, and so there's this, like, we've got, to, we've got to fight against that, what's happening to our kids. And I was scrolling through my social media feed this week, and, and it, came, it came up against this, this meme, which came up, which kind of represents this whole side. Um, go ahead, please. It, it said this, if you stay silent and fail to rock the boat in this war between good and evil, your life might be easier, but your children's won't. Right? And don't worry, it wasn't any of you. It was somebody from my last church in Michigan, so I'm not putting anybody on the spot here. And, 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 and then, like, all the comments underneath, like, amen, yes, we got to do it. Right? And so, like, this, this, this fight mentality of, of the posture that we've got to take against what's going on here in our culture, right? And if we don't, bad days ahead for us, right? We've got to, we've got to pursue freedom. Freedom is God's heart, right? God... Um, God made freedom. Freedom was God's idea, right? He put our parents in the garden and gave them complete freedom to do whatever you want. It's just one thing to show me that you love me and you're going to honor me. Don't eat of that tree. But other than that, do whatever you want. Freedom is God's heart. And so we've got to fight to preserve freedom. Our freedoms are being taken away. We've got to speak out against that, right? And, 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 and rights are like muscles, and if you don't use them, you lose them, right? And some of you are looking down and being like, yep, I know that's true. And so, right? and so that whole mindset, we've got to fight against evil. And we've got to stand up and we can't be silent. That's one side. And I might have overcharacterized a little bit, but you get, you get the point. And some of you probably all feel that, right? The church should be speaking out. I've got people telling me all the time, we need to speak up more about these things. And then there's the other side. And here's, and let me characterize and generalize the other side that I also feel. And, and that is this. The church, we just need to be agents of love and grace. That we are already seen as judgmental and hypocrites. And we are losing our ability to reach these people because... They think that we have an agenda, and they think that we're hypocrites, and they think we're judgmental, and they think our church is so tied to politics, and our politics don't square up. And so we've got to make sure that we lead with love, and we lead with grace, and we lead with relationships, and, and, and that 
the gospel in and of itself isn't offensive enough. I mean, the, the gospel is Jesus Christ alone is the Son of God and the only way to eternal life. And you are, by the way, a sinner going to hell unless you come to believe and have faith in Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel is offensive enough. We don't need to add to it with our own behavior and our own stands and our own preferences and our own fights. Let's make sure that we lead with love and with grace, right? Um, I, I read this a few weeks ago um, that, and I, I, I tried to think and tried to look, and I could not find an answer to this. And so if I'm, if I'm wrong, if you can think of something, come tell me. But here's what I had read, is that nowhere in the scriptures does God tell the church to fight evil. Jesus already did that. And won and conquered evil on the cross. It was the death blow and the resurrection to Satan that you have lost. And so the church's job, nowhere is the church told to fight evil. Jesus has done that. And so we're, we're called to be messengers of love and reconciliation, hope and grace. And, and that should be our mindset. And, and, and then you read scriptures like Romans 12 that's, that says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil and, and do what is good. Cling to what is good. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Stop stirring the pot. Stop posting those passive-aggressive or just aggressive memes, right? Live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it's written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. So I don't need to worry about being the judge or the jury or the executioner. He plays all those parts. My job is to be agents of hope and truth and love to people that are so just blinded and they're lost and they're only acting out the way that they only know. Jesus said, you're just following your father, the father of lies. And so we've, we've got to go on rescue missions, not shooting missions against those people. Right? Right? This is the mindset. The battle belongs to the Lord. Paul says in Philippians 3, about living his life and his resume and his version of Disneyland back then in the first century. Here's what Paul says. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. He's like, I'll give it. It's literally the word dung in some of the translations. It's the word for crap, right? He's like, I don't care. It's all, all of it. I'll give it all up. It's all a big pile of crap as long as I have Christ as long as I can know Christ and make him known. I'm not living for a temporary world. I have an eternal perspective with a bigger thing at play here. One last passage. And, and, and we've already read the first part of this verse where Peter calls us aliens and strangers, right? Strangers and exiles. I want to read the very next verse, the very next verse underneath that, right? Let me read you verse 11 again. First Peter, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. And then he says, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, right? When you're living in this kingdom, 
Conduct yourselves in an honorable way so that when they slander you as evildoers, uh, you're hypocrites, you're judgmental, you're bigots, you're closed-minded, all the things. They're going to, though, you're living in such an honorable way, he says, they're going to observe your good works and they're going to end up seeing it's not true and they're going to actually come to see the Jesus in you, that they're going to glorify God on the day he visits. The idea is that they say yes to Jesus because of what you've done and how you've lived in this kingdom. So, you see the tension that exists here? How are we supposed to do this? Are we supposed to hold on to truth and fight? Or are we supposed to be lovers and portrayers of grace and good kindness? And this is the tension that we feel. And so this is part three. How do we, what do we do? And here's, here's where I, I, I'm still wrestling through this. And this is where I'm just being completely honest with you. And this is where I'm going to ask you to ask God to show you what you need to do. I have one mega solution. It's a, in a sense, it's oversimplified, but I think it's the easiest and the greatest solution there is. And so part three is how do we live in, in, with this tension? Here's, here's my proposed solution. You ready for this? The most important three words I could say to you today. You and I need to be like Jesus. That is the answer. And somehow... Jesus managed to do the very thing that we are trying to do. He entered in to this world. He entered in as a man. He, be, he literally said, let me show you guys. He took on flesh and God entered the world and lived in such a way that these people were so drawn to him and that he was kind of, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that he got the nickname from all of the religious people that got so bent out of shape that he's hanging out with all the really bad people. They called him a friend of sinners. And so Jesus is the model for us of how to live this out, right? What do we do? And unless you're sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, but times were different back then. Listen, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. You want to know what? Jesus lived in a culture that was much like ours. In, in such a way, that, listen, you, you, wanna, you think that our government system is broken and corrupt, right? And this is not because of who's in office now, whether it's left or right. I mean, we, all, we know they're all a bunch of crooks. Let's just all admit that. We can agree in the middle on that. They're all just that way, right? But, but I mean, Jesus lived in a time where the governmental system over him was Rome, and, and you want to talk about a wicked governmental, you want to talk about a sexually perverse and deviant uh, uh, way of life that th these, these Romans lived. I mean, I just Googled just a little bit and it was kind of like, mm, like, like, too, like I'm afraid my filter was going to get caught and like Dana gets a report every month of like my computer, right? We have that set up. I'm like, so if these stuff comes up, I was Googling sexual deviancies in Rome, right? And so it, it was... It was, it was wicked. I mean, it makes our culture look like romper room, the stuff that's happening now. Seriously. And that was, the, that was the government in charge at the time where Jesus was living. And read the Gospels. Read the Gospels and find me the passages where Jesus is leading his Jewish brothers and sisters to stand up for their rights and fight off the oppression of Rome and saying, we've got to bring national Israel back to her former glory. I think you're going to have a hard time finding that, that passage. 
And, and so Jesus said all of these kind of things in the middle of this incredibly um, controversial culture and, and, and governmental system. He was the model to us on how to live. I mean, these people were being killed for their faith. Peter, when he wrote his words talking about be honorable and live as aliens and strangers, this is the time when Nero was reigning and was impaling Christians on stakes, lighting them on fire, and lining the roads with impaled Christians pitched in tar, lit on fire, and saying, okay, now you are the light of the world. And Peter is saying, live honorably among the culture during that time. Like, and so, listen, we're, we're, when you read the Bible, you need to understand. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 talks about having the fruit of the Spirit. You might be sitting here and saying, I, I, can't, I can't do this. And this is where I'm asking you, you this is where I'm saying, church, you've, we've got to be biblical because you're, you're sitting here with thoughts and feelings and emotions and opinions about all this and, right, and, and what's going on. And especially if you're older, you're looking back on the, 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 the better days and you're like, man, I went those days back. And it's like, and here's got to be the idea is we've got to understand that this is not our home. That this is not our home, and our goal is not to preserve this. Now listen, and, and this is why I said I love our nation. I do, and, 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 and I would consider myself a patriot. But my goal is not to save America. My goal is to save Americans, and, and there's a difference. And, and so how we then engage with this culture, right? And I told you this before. I think it's a, a picture that is true. We've got to realize that we're currently living on the Titanic. And it's going down. And there ain't nothing you can do. There ain't no law you can pass, no official you can elect, no legislation that you can have moved that is going to change the fact that the Titanic is going down. And so let's not run around trying to tidy up the ship or change the principles of the ship. Our goal is to save as many people as possible off of the ship. And, and so when we get our primary focus and mission wrong, church, this is why I say the church, the church is done. So in, in conclusion, I have three things that I want to... Um, challenge us with, okay? Three, three things. Worship team, you can start to come. Here's, here's number, number one, okay? Here's the first thing. <clears throat> Let me ask you first, can, I, can you put up John 1? I think this is important. I want the, the best way that you and I can be like Jesus and, and how Jesus did it so beautifully is this. John chapter 1 is he's writing about John, or he's writing about Jesus, and he says, the word became flesh Jesus came and became flesh and dwelt among us. John says, we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father. And then he says this, full of, here it is, grace and truth. Grace and truth. Jesus figured out how to beautifully, perfectly marry these two together where he didn't just say anything goes, there's no right or wrong, have your truth, live your best life now, I can't tell you what to do, who am I, I'm not to judge you. No, no, he shared truth. He was full of truth. He was the truth. 
But yet he also lived in such a grace-filled way that sinners were flocking to him. And so how do we be like, I think in a way we need to bring back the old WWJD bracelets and just be reminded of what would Jesus do? And what would it look like for you, listen, to sit under the Bible and let the scriptures wash over you that you would, in a sense, bathe in the word every day. So when you enter into our culture and our country, you are living literally the way Jesus would live if he were living in your shoes. How would he live full of grace and truth? So three things. Number one, our primary identity, our primary identity has to be found in Jesus Christ. So I am a citizen of his kingdom first and an American second. And so my primary identity is one that is shaped by the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, right? That's more important than my identity as an American. And do I, do I, do I like what's happening in our nation? No. But my primary identity is that is being shaped by the gospel. Um, We better figure this out because when we get to heaven, you know what's going to, I mean, there's no, it's, it's, there's no like a, just American Christians. You know Christianity is, is, is a worldwide religion, right? We all like, and so when we get to heaven, you know what's going to be there? All the other nations are, are going to be there. And, and so we've, we've, we've got to understand there's a bigger, bigger drama that's being written that God, the author, has already written about what our purpose is in life. So my primary identity is found in Jesus Christ. Number two, our, our, my primary allegiance has to be the Jesus Christ. And so the word of God is the constitution that I follow first and foremost. And I pledge allegiance to Jesus first and foremost. And what his words, and that has to govern the way that I then act as a Christian American. And then number three is, is that, and we've got to believe this church, that our only hope is found in Jesus Christ. Our only hope. And if, if, if we think that we're going to um, save America by changing who's in office, or passing different bills, different laws. Like, and listen, I'm not saying vote. Go, I mean, it's one of the great privileges we have of our nation. And then and, and I know the critics like, yeah, but we're even messing with that. You can't even trust that. Then, then get involved and figure out how to make that right. I'm not saying don't go to school board meetings and speak up at school board meetings for the, the things that are happening that are just wicked in, in our schools. The, you read the suggested reading list of what they're putting, like, just wicked. Speak up. But listen, do it in such a way where you're speaking the truth in such a way that is filled with love because your, your heart is breaking with love for people and that you're not coming off as some righteous, angry kind of you know, person who's just a nut job that just everyone dismisses. And so making sure that you're speaking truth full of love. So I'm, I'm saying we need to engage in ways that would be like Jesus would engage. But our only hope is found in Jesus. In Christ alone. Our hope is found, right? It's his blood and his righteousness. And we've got, to, we've got to recognize that, that that is our end game, our hope. And so um, C.S. Lewis, I love this. This is what C.S. Lewis said. 
He said, when the author walks on the stage, the play is over. When the author walks on the stage, the play is over. And we've talked about the end and end times and all that here as we finished up First Thessalonians this summer. There's no second chances. Um, I can't tell you that the Lord's going to return tomorrow. But I can't tell you he's not. And so, church, let's make sure that we engage in the mission the way that Jesus would want us to engage in the mission. And so I pray that you would take the, I hear my heart in this, that you would sit under the Bible, sit with God and say, God, what, do you, what does this mean for me? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to engage in our culture, in our country? And let's continue to be a church that's just like Jesus, full of grace and truth. So Father, we so desperately need your help with this. God, I, I, I know we can't do this on our own, that you and you alone are a hope, that your Holy Spirit, even in us, can only be the one that helps us to follow after you. And so God, I pray that right now you would show us where we're off, show us, God, what you want to change in us, our thinking, our believing, our actions, that we would be the church who puts all of our hope in you, that you and you alone are our only hope. We love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship.